Hey guys, this is Emily Richardson. And this is Megan Rawlings. And you are listening to the Talk, Talk Bible, Bible to Me podcast presented by The Bold Movement. Hey Bold Ones, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 6 of the Talk Bible to Me podcast, where we work together through a book of the Bible verse by verse. This season, we're studying the famous prison epistle, Philippians. Guys, this is the time where we are going to work through chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. I am so excited to do this with you. And we want to welcome anybody who's here for the first time. If you'd like to contribute to this podcast, stick around and we'll let you know how. Absolutely. And just so you know, this podcast is an extension of the Bold Movement, which is a women's ministry dedicated to enhancing biblical literacy among Christian women. So good. So, okay, here's how this podcast works. We're going to read a verse at a time, or maybe one or two at a time, and then we're going to stop and talk about it for a little bit, share some info on what it all means, give you some context, and then we'll share where we found that context to help you learn how to study your Bible on your own. Yes! It's like my favorite thing. Women reading the Bible. Let's do it. Today, we are going to be reading from the New International Version, and this is often referred to as the NIV. So let's go ahead and get started. Emily, do you mind if I just go ahead and read the first couple verses? Jump in. So starting in verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Emily, what you got? Well, there's a whole lot here because I think the first thing you're going to hear is continue to work out your salvation. And most people are going to think, wait a minute, does that mean that I'm supposed to actually work for my salvation? Is it not a free gift from God? This is a really important thing to talk through. Megan, I think you've got some some good words to say about this. (laughs) That's her nice way of saying, (laughs) we had arranged this for you to go first, and I ruined it, so I apologize. I go by the books. I can't help myself. No, that's okay. She's a rule follower. I'm a rule breaker. We make a great team. (laughs) Um, I do want to note that if you guys will notice, in verse 12, it starts with the conjunction, therefore, Paul loves long sentences. Um, And I don't know if that's like just a Paul thing or what, but when you are reading him, especially in the Greek, I mean, this man, you want to talk about like overused, he needs a couple more periods here and there. His sentences are very long. Every English professor would be stressed out by his lack of (laughs) grammatical (laughs) punctuation. But you know what? Despite that, this man wrote some killer stuff. So just so you guys know, verse 12 does start with, therefore, it's a conjunction, which means this is continuing what was stated before. And if you aren't familiar with what was stated before, go ahead and go back to our previous podcasts, listen through those so you're not lost and you're able to follow this one a little bit better. Um, I want to say something here because I thought it was really interesting. I read in my Bible background commentary. Are you familiar with those? The Bible background commentaries? No, those ones are new. I wasn't, I was not until maybe like last year, my husband introduced them to me. Um, A Bible background commentary, there's one for the Old Testament and one for the New Testament. And every couple verses for everywhere in scripture, it helps give context to the cultural things that are happening um, for that. Yeah, so um, a lot of commentaries will do that too, but this one is not super in-depth. You're not going to get like crazy, like they'll put, you know, three or four verses together and then 
tell you kind of the background. And that's what this is doing here. Okay. Um, so here it says, letters were often used as proxies for one's presence. And so this has helped giving us insight into when he's talking about um, they've always obeyed not only in Paul's presence, but now much more in his absence. This is where the letter is used in place of his presence. And we don't do that today. Like a letter is just a correspondence. Mm -hmm. It's not to serve as my presence with you. (laughs) Um, I guess we could kind of compare it to FaceTime because you're being watched on FaceTime, you know? That was terrible. I'm going (laughs) to smash that out. Anyway, he says, um, in this Bible background commentary, letters were often used as proxies for one's presence. Paul thus entreats the Philippians through the letter to obey his teaching as if he were present. And I just thought that was you know, a little fun snippet of information that I thought was really important for us to keep in mind so we could better understand the weight of this letter to the church in Philippi. Mm, Yeah. Um, And then Gordon Fee, which is a wonderful uh, guy. You know, we're we're best friends. Oh, oh, Gordo and I. (laughs) Go way back. (laughs) He points out that this sentence echoes what was said earlier in the letter. And so um, just breaking that down a little bit for you guys, He calls them my beloved, which recalls the closeness and and affection, not infection, (laughs) that we see in chapter 1, verse 8. And he discussed their obedience, which recalls chapter 1, verse 5. And then their partnership in the gospel from the first. But now it comes hard on the heels of Christ's obedience mentioned in verse 8. And I'm basically Mm -hmm. quoting Gordon Fee here. Um, Paul's presence or absence recalls the same kind of interruptive word in chapter 1, verse 27. Their common salvation that is to be worked out among them picks up the language of 128. God is the one who is at work in them for this and echoes their salvation as from God, 128. It just kind of goes back and forth with the, um, with the, he's echoing what he's already stated. It's a confirmation. It's almost like this is a conclusion to the beginning of the letter. Mm, Yeah. And it's kind of neat because if you if you look at the wording and Megan, it probably would have been good for me to ask if if the Greek is the same way, but um, at least in our English language, there's a play on words to explain why we work out our salvation because it says we work out our salvation because God works in us, and so I feel mm. like that's a really great explanation for what's actually going on here. It's not that we're supposed to be working for our salvation. We work out our salvation because God has already worked in us. So just a fun little play on words. No, I love that. Also, Emily, we are not a works-based faith, right? which means we are not a faith that you have to earn your salvation, Mm -hmm. right? We are a grace-based faith. It is a gift from God, and there is nothing you did to deserve it. Um, And I think this verse that we had talked about just a minute ago, work out your faith, right? It can be a little confusing um, because it appears that you have to work through your faith, and that is not what it's saying. Mm -hmm. So uh, Lynn Kohick, who I always quote because she's the (laughs) bomb.com. She said, and I thought this was so good that I'm, I'm not even going to try to paraphrase it. Little parrot. I know. Here comes the parrot. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Briefly, Paul is not speaking about salvation here as synonymous to the doctrine of justification by faith alone. Additionally, Paul does not see justification only as a past event, but as having future reference. And then she refers Romans 2.13, 8.33, 
Galatians 5, 4 through 5. <laughs> five. <laughs> That's how you say it now. Moreover, Paul speaks of God judging believers based on their works. And McGrath suggests that believers are justified by faith and judged by their fruit. Mm. And I think that is such a good point because I think we can get very extreme in our faith mm -hmm. where it's, yeah, it's a free gift. So I'm going to milk it for all it's worth. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to do anything. And that's not what the Bible says. Right. It says if you're a Christian, you're going to act out of obedience. And that's how you give gratitude to God for what he's done. That's how you say thank you by being obedient. Mm -hmm. And um, even though we are not ultimately judged in the sense that it's not are you going to be with Christ forever or separated from him forever um, that is not based on our works we still will be judged by what we've done on mm -hmm. earth with our time and I think that's something we forget yeah and another um, maybe simple way to just remember what work out your faith means um, this was just my own brain working so um, I think of it in the sense of an actual work out so it's not said in the sense of figure out your salvation. It's saying workout, like stretching muscles, using the muscles that you already have because your body is able for a greater good. So when it's talking about working out your salvation, it's not saying figure out your salvation. It's saying take those muscles that you've been given. You are saved already. So now use those muscles, work them out, stretch them for God's glory. Absolutely. And uh, we're going to talk here in a minute because uh, here in just a few minutes, we're going to talk about Paul. Um, <laughs> Paul talking about, I said talk about a lot. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Paul communicating that he's boasting about um, their good works or he wants to be able to boast about them rather. And to the Philippians, um, Paul's continually giving them encouragement and he's continually pumping them up. He is their biggest cheerleader. Mm -hmm. Um, and he wants them to understand their position in Christ based on what Christ did, not mm -hmm. based on what they did. And I think a lot of that has to do with everything that's happening, happening in the church of Philippi as well. I mean, I say something else. Fee points to the opening conjunction, therefore, which when followed by an imperative often indicates a locally focused argument geared at the church body. So when he's saying, um, these verses therefore work out in fear and trembling work out your faith um it's followed by an imperative which means it's a command an imperative mm -hmm. is when you are commanded to do something so when there is a conjunction followed by a command it's going to be focused on that audience yeah is what fee is trying to say and i just thought that was really important um remember he's talking to christians in philippi mm -hmm. but that means we can still take it and apply it to us today mm-hmm my husband, he's a pastor, and he always says, when you're reading scripture and you see the word therefore, you should always ask yourself, what is the therefore there for? So Ooh. you can like remember if you see the word therefore, oh, this must be something important that's related to what I just read before. And then it gives you a little bit of a better context for what you're reading and why you're reading it. Um, helps you not take verses out of context, which happens often when you're not mm -hmm. checking things. Um and I do want to touch on the whole fear and trembling thing, too, because uh, I think we can mistake that to think it's this like hellfire and brimstone moment of do this because you're terrified of going to hell. Um, but yes, I have Emily. exactly <laughs> what it is. No, <laughs> there's a piece of that. I have a, a good quote. Yeah. Um, 
a good quote from my expositor's Bible commentary, um, and it says, Christian joy is the experience of every believer in God's will. So Philippians is a lot about joy. Um, but then it says, but holy fear of God that trembles at the thought of sin is also the attitude of the careful Christian. Um, and you can go and check out James 4, 8 through 10, where it talks about drawing near to God and he will draw near to you. But right after that, it says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded, be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Um, That was a cross-reference in that uh, commentary, which just means that that's uh, a Bible verse that relates to the one that we're reading. They can be tied together. And I think that it it really ties into that humility verse from our podcast episode right before this. So um, talking about doing nothing out of selfish ambition, um, we are to follow the Lord and live a life for him out of joy. And that joy is based on a holy fear that we are disgusted by sin just as much as God is. And we need to humble ourselves. And that's the only way we're going to become more like Christ. Um, so that fear and trembling is not, I mean, the the literal Greek words, I don't know them by heart, but they do mean like this kind of terror, but it's, it's a terror based in the fact that you have a loving, holy God that will punish sin. Um, but you also know because of his his grace, you are saved. And we can live in a holy fear of that, not this just like terrified fear, but a holy fear that spurs you on to more good works. Yeah. It's more of like a respected mm-hmm. yes. fear. Reverence. Like, right. So, um, and that's really hard for us to understand because in the 21st century, like we just don't view things mm-hmm. in that sense. Yeah. But you guys will get it. You're smart. We'll catch on. <laughs> hey, guys, we're going to take a short break, and we're going to give you a message from our sponsors. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a message from our sponsors. We are able to continue podcast episodes like this because of our Patreon supporters, Jerry Lewis, Kelsey Graff, Soyan Barber, Julia Carter, Amy Mathis, Jill Walters, and Dave Hansel. If you like what you hear, would you consider becoming a partner of The Bold Movement? Our plans range from $5 a month to $50 a month with exciting incentives for growing Christian women. Just visit www.patreon.com forward slash The Bold Movement. Now, back to the show. Hey, ladies. Welcome back. If you'd like to hear your name on that little commercial break as well, feel free to go to patreon.com forward slash the bold movement. Emily, I think it'd be really cool to have my name read on the podcast. I think it'd be amazing. And maybe we should do something like if you give a certain amount, you can join us on the podcast. A little extra co-host. That'd be awesome. That'd be fun. Maybe we should look into that. Why don't you guys find us on Facebook and tell us whether you want to be a guest on our podcast. Do it. Go now. Don't walk. Run your fingers (laughs) over the keyboard. (laughs) All right. Emily, are you ready to study that big old book we call the Bible? Absolutely. We're going to jump into verses 15. 14, excuse me, Mm -hmm. 14 through 16. Um, And it says this, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you- No. Oh. I'm just kidding. She's arguing. (laughs) (laughs) I was hoping you'd catch on. (laughs) Oh, well then that's it. I'm not doing the rest of this podcast. Yes, you are. (laughs) Quit complaining. Read your Bible. (laughs) 
Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. I love this. Mm. It's actually like a love-hate relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I've caught myself, like, I am becoming quite a grumbler. Mm -hmm. And it's just like at minor inconveniences, which is really tacky. It's just (laughs) tacky. And so um, I love the idea that verse 14 is a call to contentment. Because if you're content, you're not going to grumble. You're not going to argue. Um, And... Honestly, nobody likes people who complain all the time. No. But I also think we live in a world that is so, well, maybe not a world because I don't, I I can't speak for other countries, but I do think we live in a culture here in America where we are so, uh, what's the opposite of content? Discontent? Discontent. 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 Mm -hmm. We're so uncomfortable with ourselves and where we're at Mm -hmm. and we're constantly trying to climb ladders and- You know, I remember working a job that I loved. I loved it. But because it wasn't um, a career that was, you know, high pay, high respect, whatever, I felt like I had to keep climbing the ladder. Mm -hmm. So I left a job I loved to go do whatever else it took to, you know, A, B, or C. Looking back now, I'm kind of glad I did because now we're doing what we're doing. But the point is, if we could just find contentment, Mm In, you know, whether we're rich or poor, like Paul talks about um, in chapter four, we're going to read that in a little bit. If we would just find contentment, depression would be lowered, Mm -hmm. anxiety would be lowered, we wouldn't be complainers, we wouldn't be argumentative, we would just be satisfied in Christ. And it's not just contentment with ourselves, but contentment where we are so consumed by Jesus that nothing else matters. Was it doc- you know? Dr. West, the psychologist, right? Um, was he- Dr. West Beavis. Yes. Was he the one that said that it's it's physically impossible for your brain to be grateful and anxious or discontent at the same time? Like, yes. Physically impossible. Neuroscience. That has stuck with me because it's like, how many times am I walking throughout my day and I'm complaining and it's it's the complete opposite. Like, when I'm complaining, I have trouble being content. But – yes. When you start saying thank you or you acknowledge the things that you have in your life that you should be thankful for, it's a lot harder to feel discontent because you're like, man, I actually, I have way more than I need. And it makes you completely change your outlook. I super struggle with this because I actually taught my kids um, this verse. This is one of the first Bible verses I had them memorize. <laughs> Do I- <laughs> Good. Everything without grumbling or arguing, and they get so mad when I make them recite it when they're complaining. Um, yeah, but it's it's so good because it gets them that little like heart check for a minute. And my son Judah, he'll be like, "Ugh, do everything without complaining or arguing," and he'll admit that he's complaining. But then he turns it around, and it's worked really well. But I started catching myself teaching him this verse, then turning around and like complaining about something in my own life and not even realizing that here I am teaching one thing and living another. And what is my kid seeing when I'm telling him stop complaining and arguing? And yet here I am saying this couch isn't good enough or our kitchen needs to be remodeled or whatever it is. Um, I do it all the time and I'm not living out what I'm teaching, but 
I mean, when it says do everything without complaining or arguing, it's not just little things. It's everything. And that's that's the hardest part. Absolutely. And I think sometimes we assume that venting is good for the soul. Mm-hmm. Um, but our vent sessions turn into complaint sessions. When you're talking about the same thing over and over and over again, you're no longer venting. Mm-hmm. You are complaining. You're yep. stuck in a cycle. Yep. Um, and so, like, you need to work through that. We need to pray through that, whatever it is. I'm guilty of that. And, like, I'll have complaint sessions where I'm like, I'm just venting. And my husband's like, honey, we are way past <laughs> venting. <laughs> like, that was, like, four weeks ago. Oh, <laughs> so, yep. Um, I did look up contentment in the Bible dictionary, but it's painful. Mm. So are you ready for a gut check? We'll see. Because I'm going to one, two. It's going to be like a trick you with the right, hook you with the left. Ugh, written specifically okay. to me probably. <laughs> Girl, this one, I saw it and I read it and I was like, yeah, never mind. I'm not I'm not putting that in there. <laughs> I'm one of those like practice what you preach. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm not ready to practice this just yet. <laughs> Which means I absolutely need to. So, yep. Um, Altarkia, which is the Greek um, here for contentment, not specifically in this verse, but what it's alluding to denotes freedom from reliance upon others, whether other persons or other things, hence the satisfaction of one's needs or the control of one's desires. It is not a passive acceptance of the status quo, but the positive assurance that God has supplied one's needs and the consequent release from unnecessary desire. The Christian can be self-contained because he has been satisfied by the grace of God. (sighs) So it's not just this, oh, I'm content, and it's just this fleeting moment. Being content means that you are fully reliant Mm -hmm. and have positive assurance that God has supplied your needs. Mm -hmm. And I think that's hard because we think content is like, yeah, I'm going to be content with being hungry or I'm going to be content with, you know, feeling empty inside. And it's like, no, that's not what contentment mm-hmm. is. Contentment is finding your satisfaction in Christ. Yep. Which we'll get to this verse um, in a few weeks. But in Philippians 4, Paul talks about this very thing. He's talking about, I've learned to be content in all circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have been going through this verse over and over again, probably for the last two weeks or so, because I really have been struggling with contentment lately because um, just the world around us is just wild. And there's just these parts of me daily that wishes for more or wishes for less. And I think it's interesting that in that verse, he talks about learning to be content whether in need or in abundance, which I think that's your your proof there that it's not just about like this temporary moment because he's content even if he has everything he needs because it's not about having everything you need. It's, it's not about the greener grass on the other side. It's not even about the grass at all. It's about just Christ being your satisfaction no matter where you are, what you're doing, what you have or what you don't have. Mm. And there's, I think there's nothing wrong with being rich. Like mm-hmm. having money. I think – I don't want people to feel guilty for having stuff. Um, yeah. It's about where your treasures lie in your heart. Like are mm-hmm. you rich and not tithing to your church? That's a problem because we're called to yeah. do it. Are you wealthy and you're not giving to people who are in need? Are you wealthy and are you finding your contentment in your money? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the problem lies. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah, absolutely. It's not about more or less – 
Um, so D.A. Carson, who I love, said, As Christians, hold out the word of life. There must be no trace of self-pity, but a life categorized by sincere gratitude and godly praise. And I just loved that. So I thought mm. I'd stick it out there. Um, no trace of self-pity. I just, because <laughs> I pity myself all the time. All I pity the, the fool and I am the fool. <laughs> um, also, um, in verses 14 and 15, Paul is spelling out how they can work out their salvation with these imperatives. So again, imperative is command. So Paul is telling you that you work out your salvation, which we learned about before, by doing everything without grumbling or arguing. Mm-hmm. And they do this so that, and I say they, but this is still applicable to us today, even though this was written for the church in Philippi, so that you can be blameless and pure children of God. We are representatives of God Mm -hmm. and um, we need to look different than what the world looks like. Mm -hmm. And we have to be blameless so that we're recognized as that. And I fear that we have allowed Christianity in America to take on a new identity that Mm -hmm. does not look like God. And we have got to get that back to what scripture says to look like. Mm -hmm. Because right now I think it looks a lot more like our comfort, our rights. um, Yeah. You know, having an easy life or a happy life. Happy. That's a big one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Christianity is happy. Not all the time. I mean, Jesus wept. (laughs) So that's not funny. I just, that just came out. I wasn't (laughs) laughing at that, him crying. I just like, duh. Laughing at who it is. Yeah. Um, In verse 16, this can be cross-referenced to Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. Um, And Daniel's an interesting book because as children, we learn about Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There's so much more to it. Oh my gosh. So So I'm reading it it as a college student on my own. Yes, it took me until college to read the Bible (laughs) on my own, but whatever. Um, So I'm reading Daniel and I'm like, what is going on? (laughs) Like, I remember getting to like, what was it, chapter nine or 10 and just being like, I can't do this. What's happening? This is so much more in children's Sunday school. Oh my gosh. And it has, uh, Daniel has a lot of prophecy in it, and mm-hmm. it is a similar genre to Revelation. It's apocalyptic. Yep. And so we have to read it as an apocalyptic literature. But all that to say, it does have an eschatological connotation. Um, and eschatological is, it, it means like end times. It's a focus on the end times. Mm-hmm. So there, I thought that was interesting. The verse 16 we're talking about, sorry, is, let me read that to you in case you're driving. It says, um, it's really part B. Mm, It is not verse 16. It's 15 and 16. So uh, the part B of 15 says, Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. That's mentioned in Daniel. It's mentioned somewhere else, and I didn't write it down, so I apologize. But I'm going to challenge you guys to look at your cross-references and find out where else that is cross-referencing. And then... As we read um, at the second part of 16, and then I will be able to boast, and I as Paul, then I, Paul, will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. And Fee here says, when used positively, 
as it is here, boasting points to the ground of one's confidence and trust, Christ himself, in whom one therefore glories. Mm -hmm. And I love that because what Paul is saying is, I'm not boasting in you and what you're capable of. I'm boasting in what Christ is doing Mm -hmm. through you. Yep. Yep. Um, So the next verse is, um, let's see. Verses 17 through 18, it says, But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. And if you are hearing that and you're like me when I first read this verse and you're like, what did I just read? <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is Jewish talk. So Paul is usually using some Jewish terms and some ancient terms about um, – some of the religious uh, services, basically, that they had back then. Megan, do you have something to say about that? Yeah. So in our Bible background commentary, which we used earlier, they had some information on this too. And I thought it was super helpful Mm -hmm. because I also was like, why the heck is he pouring stuff on himself (laughs) and the sacrifice? So it says, um, ancient religions regularly poured out libations to the gods, usually wine, but sometimes water or other substance. Paul is being poured out as such a drink offering to the true God, a willing offering on their behalf that joined their own sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was interesting. And then Kohik had some information on that too. And so did Carson. I mean, there's all kinds of information on that. Um, Practically yeah. speaking, I think like what he's really saying here is that he is joyfully giving up his comforts for a ministry. So I feel this pretty deeply. I, you probably do too, Megan, as a pastor's wife, Um, You really, you give up a lot of comforts to do ministry. Um, There's been lots of days where my husband and I are like, what are we doing? (laughs) This is so exhausting. Um, But at the same time, um, it's so worth it. And you learn to find joy. And this is is not just for people who have a degree, like my husband, because I personally do not have a ministry degree. I have uh, learned a lot about the Bible on my own or through my husband, but... um, we're all called to ministry. And so Paul's setting an example for people who are ministering to others, discipling others, that ministry is to be joyful. It is sacrificial, but it's also mm-hmm. to be joyful because there's there's so much more to it than just this life. It's not just about the suffering or even the joy that we have in this life. It's it's about that end goal, that the end of the race, that when we're all done with this, we can stand before God and just celebrate that all the pain, all the trials that we've gone through, if we are sacrificing ourselves in order to um, grow our ministry, grow people deeper into Christ, the knowledge of Christ and love of Christ, um, there will be even more joy when we finally meet Christ and we're all together doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, And joy is not rooted in happiness. No, 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 no. Joy is rooted <laughs> in gratitude. Yes. And I think, I don't know, that always is encouraging to yeah. me because – you know, our emotions do not have to match mm-hmm. our contentment. Yeah. Joy is a choice. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. And and we control our emotions. Well, let me rephrase that. We can control <laughs> our emotions. Um, Maybe often not we well. <laughs> I will be the first to tell you I suck at it, but um, that is something I'm working on. But um, it's encouraging to know that as a human – I was given the ability to control my emotions 
and it becomes easier when my heart matches Christ's heart. Mm -hmm. Um, I do want to say this. I thought Carson said something that was brilliant. He said, then if, and this is talking about the, uh, sacrifice and, and the pouring out offering, um, the pouring out offering, you know, that thing, (laughs) (laughs) nothing we're all used to. (laughs) (laughs) Then if Paul has to give up his life, his sacrifice is merely a kind of libation poured out on top of their sacrifice. Now listen to this. Such a libation is meaningless unless it is poured out on a more substantial sacrifice. Mm. I just thought that was really good, and I just wanted to bring that up. I love it. I feel like okay. that's a great way to circle it all up to just show that we have more than what is being done in this life. Absolutely. This is the shortest part of eternity. Yep. So it's important that we focus on Jesus and bringing mm-hmm. others to him and expanding and enhancing the kingdom because yeah. when we get to go face to face with Christ we have to answer for what we did in this life yeah and, and I think that I don't that know answers that question so many people have the yeah. question or the feeling there's something bigger than myself yeah and that that more substantial sacrifice that Carson's talking about is like Christ. You are pouring yourself yeah. out into something bigger and that is Christ. And Absolutely. it all comes back to him. We can't boast in our own doing because everything that we do is <laughs> usually not done <laughs> in the right <laughs> motives. Or <laughs> yep. Oh. Well, thank Emily, you. Emily, this has been fun. Yes. Jinx. <laughs> you owe me coke. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Oh, I was just going to say thank you to our listeners for joining us. Um, I hope that it's been fruitful for you as you're driving or sitting or working or whatever you're doing while you're listening to this. Um, Just want to remind y'all that the Bold Movement, it's a ministry that helps Christian women gain confidence in their biblical literacy, faith, and evangelism through customizable content strategically created to work with our community's support um, to enhance and expand the kingdom of God. We'll be back next week, and we hope that you will join us. If you guys haven't yet, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so that way you get notifications whenever we upload another podcast. And if you enjoyed us, go ahead and hit five stars. If you didn't like us, just don't even bother. (laughs) Walk away. (laughs) Walk away. This is a quick reminder that you can partner with us through our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the bowl movement. Okay, ladies, until next time, go out and be bold.